FM 104 is switched on and I'm joined by the founder of Earth's Edge, Jam McManus. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Thank you so much for chatting to us. So you're going to attempt to summit Mount Everest without bottled oxygen in April. Tell me, where did this challenge begin? Yeah, so it's a great question. So I've been involved in the outdoors and mountaineering um, my entire life. And I used to kayak as well at a very high level and um, worked as a guide like all over the world. And then I started my own business, as you mentioned, Earth's Edge um, back in 2007. So I've been taking people to the high mountains around the world um, for the last 17 years and longer than that, really. But in the pandemic, when we stopped um, running ex- international treks to Kilimanjaro and Everest Base Camp and, and what have you, um, I basically managed to get a two-year training block done. So I wasn't going away. I was being consistently able to train, um, which was amazing. So that brought my fitness to another level. And I did some amazing ultra challenges here in Ireland, like the, the Wicklow round is probably the, the biggest one I did. And then off the back of that, I was like, wow, I have this massive um, engine now, this huge endurance base. So then I kind of started reading about people climbing Everest without supplementary oxygen. Um, And while it's the biggest mountain in the world, it's not the most technical. So it's well within my ability technically. Mm -hmm. And then I had this fitness. So I was like, oh, my God, I want to I want to try that. That's that's where the inspiration came from. So I've been kind of on a mission to do this for the last three years. I attempted in 2022, didn't make it, but uh, going back again this year. So really excited about that. What were some of the difference you noticed, I suppose, in yourself after having that training behind you? Um, like I've always been a, a very, um, strong, like strong from an endurance perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, um, my body, basically I just did a lot of base training. So I got much, much more efficient at going very slow. So I've noticed now kind of working of the last three seasons I've worked on Aconcagua, the highest mountain in South America. And you can just see an adaptation there that my body has just become much, much more efficient. And like the the mental impact now is it, it's had a huge knock on effect on my confidence. I feel like I can really take on anything. Um, so, yeah, it's been a fantastic experience. So you will be the first Irish person to do it without oxygen. Why do people normally take on oxygen for Everest? It's like it's just physically. Um, so, you know, when the p- first people started climbing um, 8,000 meter peaks, you know, the guts of 100 years ago, it, they they started using, they had to use oxygen because they didn't have the, the level of fitness to, to go without it. And it was the done thing. Um, and generally speaking, people who want to go back and do Everest, um, they, they need it to survive up there. Okay. So over 8,000 meters, which Everest is 8,850 meters, that's considered the death zone. So basically people cannot survive above 8,000 meters, um, without supplementary oxygen. Now there is maybe three to 4% of people who've climbed Everest. So I think it's over 7,000 have climbed it in total and less than 200 have done it without bottled oxygen. But you're talking about some of the most um, highly conditioned athletes in the world. Um, a lot of them being um, a Sherpa as well. So they they have um, a physiological advantage to go to high mountains. So, yeah, your normal kind of run of the mill Everest climber needs oxygen to survive. Yeah. So how do you, I suppose, get yourself beyond that to a point where you don't need it? 
Yeah. So, I mean, there is um, many different elements to it. Like experience is massive. Um, having been on other mountains, um, you know, smaller than Everest and gaining like a lifetime of experience really is needed. Um, how There's lots of different details, but the, the big piece of the jigsaw, like 80% is um, conditioning your heart and lungs um, to be able to function at that altitude. So if you can think like that the air is so thin there, that it's not possible for you to 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 exercise at an intensity, even like a slow run that you do at sea level here in Ireland. There's not enough oxygen in the air for you to function at that intensity. So what you do is you try and become more and more efficient at a slower pace. Um, and that means that you do a huge volume of training um, at a low intensity. And over um, a kind of a one to five year period, your body will adapt and become faster or more efficient going slow. So like to give you an example, when I first started training at this technique, um, at the at the intensity that I can work at in Everest, that was equivalent to me running a kilometer on flat ground in six minutes, 45 seconds. Now, over three years later, I can working at the same intensity, I'm covering that kilometer in five minutes. So I'm much, much more efficient. So that's kind of, I don't know, my maths isn't good enough to tell you, but it's maybe, I don't know, 20, 30% faster. So that means I can move quicker at, at that higher elevation. And you've been there before. So. You tried to attempt it before. Do you think being there and experiencing it has helped you this time around? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like it, it was um, anytime you go to the mountains, you learn something. So um, in 2022, I went there and, and how it works is that you do rotations on the mountain. So you basically push your body up to a higher elevation and you come back down to rest. So on Everest, I did uh, four rotations. And on the fourth one, I went to 8000 meters um, and came back down to base camp. Um, and then when I went to go back up, there was um, bad weather, so I couldn't actually attempt the summit at all. Mm -hmm. So that was fantastic experience. Like as are all the every time I go to altitude or every time I put myself in a, in a natural environment, in a hazardous environment, you learn something, you, you know, you, you you expand your skills. So it's definitely helpful. Yeah. Rather than trying to go straight off the bat. Now, this time I am going from the Tibetan side rather than the Nepalese side. So that's okay. going to be a new experience, but really looking forward to that. And food-wise, how do you prepare for that? Um, yeah, it is definitely a challenge. So one of the things that that goes along with um, that's very important that you have this huge aerobic base that you're you're efficient at going slow, mm -hmm. is you also um, develop your your system um, that that fuels off fats. So when the human body is moving at a lower intensity, it's more inclined to to fuel off fats, and that's very very important. Because when you go high in a mountain like Everest, you completely lose your appetite. So I might only be able to stomach like 1,000, 1,500 calories worth of food, but I will spend maybe 10, 15,000 um, calories worth of energy. So it's essential that you adapt your body to fuel off fats rather than um, carbohydrates, that's like food that's in your belly. Um, so what I have to do when I'm in base camp, basically, or before I go is to try and eat as much as possible to put on as much condition because I will lose a lot of weight. Um, I could lose anywhere from eight to 15 kilos on, on the two month expedition. So now you're kind of looking at, is it eight weeks you're saying before you leave? What do you, yeah. what are you doing at this point to kind of get ready for that? Yeah, so I'm doing a couple of things. Um, the vast majority, so I'm tra my training program, I'm doing about 20 hours a week. 
So I think 12 hours of that is aerobic training. So kind of long, slow sessions. So that's maybe um, six hours of running a week. I'm spending two hours on a, um, oh God, a, 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 a stepper on, on in the gym, like a stair, a, a stair climber. I don't know what the machine is called. I absolutely hate that. That's why I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Um, and then I do a long hike as well, a kind of four to five hour hike. Okay. And then I do some strength work as well. Um, Louise to support that just to make sure that I can move and my body's working. And then um, the other significant thing is I'm sleeping in a hypoxic chamber, like an altitude tent. Mm. And that is stimulating um, high altitude. So that's helping me acclimatize and prepare for uh, Mount Everest. And obviously you're preparing for... Mount Everest. But for somebody who wants to get started and, and do maybe Everest or do Kilimanjaro, how should they approach it? Yeah, I mean, well, as you mentioned, like I run a company called Earth's Edge and, and our clients like are, are so inspiring to me. I love to meet people who don't have a relationship with the outdoors or fitness and then they train up and uh, go and do something like Kilimanjaro. I think they're amazing. So, I mean, in, in a nutshell, for someone to do something like Kilimanjaro or Everest Base Camp or Machu Picchu, they need to be able to to walk at a slow pace in the mountains um, continuously. So if, if someone had the fitness to um, walk in Wicklow for six to seven hours, two days in a row, then they'd be, they'd be ready for one of these high altitude treks because we move at such a slower pace. And then obviously, um, if they can do a little bit of strength work, mobility um, around that, just to make sure they stay injury free, then they can they can do it, you know. So um, it's actually like, obviously, they're very tough challenges, but very achievable for the vast majority of us, for yeah, sure. If it's something you really want to do, because I suppose a lot of people will be trying to get around the mountains pretty quickly and kind of see how quick they could do it. But that makes sense now that you'd have to slow it all down and kind of really take in what your body's doing and how it's doing it essentially yeah now like i mean when i'm talking about the nutrition and stuff on everest like we're talking about you know i'm trying to tune my body up to do something that's very very hard like yeah. summit mount everest is tough but, but to do it without oxygen is 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 crazy yeah. for someone to do kilimanjaro they don't need to be as um well conditioned mm-hmm. um but obviously the fitter they are the more they'll enjoy the trip you know because if you're if you're not fit you spend your whole time just huffing and puffing and looking at the ground whereas you know, you want to be able to chat with other trekkers and meet meet people and meet the locals like and and enjoy the scenery in these places. So yeah, take it all in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And tell us about B Lab. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I like I'm the founder of Earth's Edge. Um, yeah. um, it's a company that I've been running for the last 17 years. And I've just actually um passed that business on the running of that to my team, who are amazing. And I've taken on a new role as the director of B Lab Ireland. So we're a global uh, nonprofit network whose mission it is to bring about economic system change um, through our stakeholder governance uh, model for business and our standards. So we certify companies known as B Corps, there's 8,000 of them around the world, um, including 35 in Ireland, who meet the highest standard of environmental and social performance. And basically, these companies are absolutely amazing. They're showing a new way of doing business that's more equitable, uh, kinder to all people and the environment. Because, you know, anyone can can see that the, the climate change is accelerating all the time. It's really hard for me to see when I go to the big mountains, glaciers are melting faster than, than ever mm-hmm. before. And then also inequality is on the rise as well, Louise. We have, at the moment, we have 26 people in the world owning the same amount of wealth as 
3.8 billion uh, people. So, you know, the governments can only do so much with policy and also the NGO sector is, is doing a lot, but the business really created this problem um, through capitalism and we need to businesses to be more responsible. So a big shout out to anybody listening that wants to learn more to to follow um, B-Lab Ireland on LinkedIn or, or check out our website, bcorporation.net. We're really looking for more Irish businesses to come and join the movement. And as you were saying, you're undertaking a big challenge in April and May of the summit of Mount Everest. How can people keep up with your journey? Yeah, so they can follow me on Instagram, which is uh, Jam McManus. Um, I'm posting stories um, now of my training of what I'm kind of doing in regard to um, the altitude tent, uh, nutrition, um, a lot of my aerobic stuff, strength work. Um, talking about equipment, uh, everything really, and then they can. I'll be f- posting um there into all the way through the expedition. So yeah, it'd be awesome if people want to come and ask questions or learn about what's involved. Um, to get in touch would be great. Amazing. I I look forward to keeping track of what you're up to, Jan McManus. Thank you so much for chatting to us. Thank you too. Bye bye.